Hey guys, Kyle back with Kyle Burrell's Unedited Podcast, episode number 51. I know it's been a while, um, but we are back. We're going to get it going. It's going to be a lot of NFL draft talk at the end. We're going to start off, obviously, with college basketball national title. I haven't got to talk about KU yet. Um, we're going to do reactions from UFC 273 and what's next. NBA playoffs, in-depth, you know, we're going to go real in-depth on predictions. And then we're going to go, I'm going to give you my big board. And my big board again... It will not. It'll. It'll not like show how. I'm trying to use words. It won't show my. I'm gonna do a mock draft too after my big board. It will not show my mock draft is because I do my mock draft based on what I'm hearing, and what could happen. Like I have Malik Willis. Let's just for example, I have Malik Willis. You know, in the middle of my big board, but I do think. I think four quarterbacks are gonna go in this first round. From what I'm hearing. Um, hold on. And uh, I do not have one of them in my top 32. Um, but like I said, I have Mike Willis going to the top 10. And I have him at 18 on my big board. It's all off of needs too. And stuff like that. So we'll definitely get into that. Um, let me do one thing real fast. I'm really pumped for this this mock, so we're getting close, man. We're almost two weeks out. We're going to probably have a couple more mocks. This one, we'll have trades, and I will uh, make sure to, you know, as we go, I'll talk about what each trade is. I do have a bunch. I actually have a – here, we can take a look real quick. Um, but, yeah, I really want to talk about KU. Obviously, I haven't got to do that yet. I've just been really busy, so we're going to get to this. So we're going to get back rolling. We'll have one probably immediately Monday or Tuesday of next week with a shorts following on next Friday. Uh, I believe I have so I have five trades in the first round. Um, so we're going to get to that for sure. Uh, there's the mock is up. Okay, so let's start it off. Like I said, we'll do my big board. I'll do. I'm going to do my top again. I've done it. So like quarterbacks, I really think in my mind there's eight guys that have chances to either, I think, six potential starters. Two extra that I think can make the make a roster as a backup quarterback. I'm only going top five running backs. I don't think it's deep. Definitely doing top ten in receivers. To only top five in tight ends. Top ten in tackles. Top five in interior linemen. Uh, obviously, top ten edge. Top ten interior D linemen. Top 10 interior linebacker, top five interior linebackers. I think it's kind of a weak linebacker class. Top 10 corners, great corner class, in my opinion. Top five uh, safeties. Again, I think the top five are very good. And then we'll get into my overall big board. And then we'll do the mock draft. We'll start off KU. So KU beat, obviously beat North Carolina to claim their sixth national title. Um, erased a 15 point. Halftime deficit, also down 16 at one point. Biggest comeback in national title history. Obviously, I'm a massive KU fan. So, you know, at halftime, I uh, down 40 to 25. I was a bit in shock. Um, it was like, I, I mean, in, in your mind, down 15 as a fan, you're like, <laughs> nobody's ever come back from more than, I think, 10. So it was like, man, this this one might be over. And I, I told myself, I was like, give them the first six to eight minutes. And let's see where we're at. And I think at the under-12 timeout, KU was down one. 
So I was like, okay, well, now it's a game. And I was thinking in my head, once we got up, I was like, or once we got back in it down one at the eight-minute mark, I was like, there's just no way KU's going to lose this game now. We're a better team, um, deeper. I just I was like, there's no way they lose this game now. So in the first half, let's go for some takeaways. In the first half, UNC just outcompeted and physically dominated KU, plain and simple. They, they, they were more competitive, dominated the glass. They dominated the glass all game, really, but in the first half, it was ugly. I mean, North Carolina didn't even shoot very good. It was all second-chance points that they were able to get. Um, and they shot. They made some. They made a few more threes than we did too. They out, like I said, they out rebounded fifty five thirty five in the game. I, to me, North Carolina when it was after it wasn't it wasn't at the beginning of the second half. It was really after the under eight timeout. You could tell they were getting tired. You could tell fatigue was playing a part in North Carolina's uh, how they were playing. Turn it over, real sloppy. Um, you know when your guards shoot. I want to say R.J. Davis ended up shooting five, six for 18 or six for 17, and Caleb Love was like five for 23. Baycott really wasn't shooting good either. Made a lot of free throws. He was hobbled. Manic was okay. Like I said, KU, it was really just out getting out rebounded and turning the ball over in that first half. Um, I don't know what the rebounding was in the second half, but KU really brought out a defensive intensity in the second half, and UNC just really couldn't get anything going. Like I said, I think KU played a part in that with their defense. I also think fatigue played a part in that as well. Remy had 11 in the second half. Um, three huge threes, two corners. And then the uh, the sidestep, little sidestep step, uh, step back three that he made to go up three, which Carolina ended up erasing that and going up one. But Remy was massive in the second half. Carolina's guards could never get low. Yeah, so Love and Davis shot... 10 for 41. Davis shot 5 for 17. That was massive. Th- them playing like that, was it was just not good. Uh, Brown got really aggressive in the second half offensively, and Harris defensively. That really set the tone to start the second half was Harris on defense, Brown offensively. You know, uh, like I said, Remy, Brown, and uh, Harris, I thought really, and McCormick obviously too, really won us that game. <coughs> you know, Oche got... Uh, most most outstanding player of the Final Four. I thought it should have went to Dave. He had twenty five and nine in game in the first Final Four in the Final Four matchup, and then he had fifteen and ten in the national title. Two late buckets that won us the game. Um, I thought he should have won most outstanding player of the Final Four after all the criticism I given him all year. He was outstanding. If he wants to come back for that COVID year, more than welcome. Um. But yeah, it was really that defensive intensity that that KU brought. It was it was not just Harris, but a lot everybody really brought out a certain intensity. And you know, Brown got super aggressive going to the rim. You know, so that was really and, you know, like I said, Remy was unreal in that second half. You know, the shots he hit were huge. You know, I think it was the the sequence that really got KU amped up was the Remy three. To the Dewan steal and the Jalen Wilson M one was just massive. Jalen Wilson was you know, he struggled all game to finish, but he was aggressive. He was getting there and he played well defensively as well. I thought he was you know, he he was solid. You know, he couldn't really make he wasn't making shots, but he was just super aggressive, and that was really nice to see him be aggressive because no one was really aggressive in the first half. Like I said, Oach won most outstanding player, I think, you know, just because he was prior best player all year, I think he got that award. I thought Dave should have really got that and you know. Oach even said that in the post game presser that I think uh, 
I think Dave should have gotten it. Um, I couldn't agree more with him. Um, you know, Bill Self captures his second NCAA title, first KU coach to win multiple. It's a big, it's a big win, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't like to use the thing where you know KU got blessed with the matchups they got. I thought they did. Providence was honestly probably the scariest matchup for me of the whole tournament. That's why it was shocking to me that I knew North Carolina was going to come out and play. I was shocking me we were down fifteen though. I thought we matched up way better with UNC than we did Providence. Um, you know, so yeah, I would say KU they they got a pretty you know they got a pretty good path to the to get to the Final Four, but in the tournament. It's just like anything, and when it's one game elimination, it doesn't matter who you play because on any given night, you know, how did how does Kentucky feel about it? You know they lost to St. Peter's in round one. In any given any given game, anybody can be anybody in one one man elimination. So, you know I didn't think that. You know I hate to say that in an NCAA tournament that it was a fraudulent run. You know, <laughs> you know I saw a bunch of K State Missouri fans talking about that, saying it was a fraudulent run. 2008, they got to play a 10 seed. Well, in 2008, they also had to play a one seed in the Final Four and then a one seed in the national title. So, I mean, it's, it, you know. In the NCAA tournament, in my opinion, there's no fraudulent runs because it happens. You know, I know the 15 seed was the first one. The 15 seed was the first one to, you know, make the Elite Eight. But, like, we had UCLA, but were they a 10 or an 11 last year? And they were in the Final Four? Like, it happens. That's the NCAA tournament. There's no fraud runs because, like I said, any given night, Tell Kentucky that it's a fraudulent run. They would have loved KU's run, right? Losing to St. Peter's, like, ask Iowa how that went in, in the Richmond matchup. You know, I mean, that's just how it goes in the tournament. You know, it, you there's no fraud runs because, <laughs> again, I'll point to Kentucky. Ask their fans if they would like KU's run, for sure. They lost to a 15. Ask Purdue's fans how they feel about losing to a 15 in the Sweet 16. Murray State was 33-2 and all year. How do they feel about losing to a 15? Like, it just happens in the tournament. You know, and it was unreal. I don't care what anybody says. You can't take away from what KU did on that run. It was impressive. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Going into the Big 12 tournament, uh, me and Fee obviously talked about it. Like, it was going to be tough for KU to win the national title, I thought. And they really just, like Bill even said it best, he said he's never had a team that flipped a switch from the regular season to the postseason like this team did. And really, I don't remember a KU team that ever has. You know, I thought we were good in the regular season. I didn't think we were national title contenders per se, but, man, we got in. We we stomped on West Virginia. We stomped on TCU. We beat T- Texas Tech by nearly, I think, 9 or 10. Um, and like I said, I didn't – KU did not play – Good basketball, in my opinion. I'm going to take out the Texas Southern game because we should have beat them by how much we beat them by. But let's be honest, against Creighton and Providence, and then that first half against Miami, KU was not playing well. And then that second half against Miami, they found something, and it turned into the Villanova game where, yeah, Villanova cut it to six at one point, but really KU had control of that game. And then they kind of went back to how they played against Providence and Creighton in the first half against North Carolina, and then they found the Villanova game in the second half. And that's just what can happen. This, I, I, I agree with Bill. I've never seen a team like uh, like this that could flip a switch on a KU team. I don't remember it. I don't remember it. Somebody can, like I said, I think the 2020 team would have been unreal because, like I said, 
knowing basketball, and obviously when KU won the national title in 2008, I was only nine. So knowing basketball, watching KU, I thought that 2020 team was the first KU team I ever watched that uh, could play bad offensively and win. Um, and that that was what sucked about that, not not being able to have that run. Because I thought that was the first time I ever watching that. I was like, God, KU could play bad and win a game by 10 because their defense was so good. I mean, the run they went on, 16 straight wins. I believe it was 16 straight wins that KU went on that year. So, But this team made up for it. Obviously, last year we lost, you know, lost a lot of guys, so it was kind of a down year, but still going to finish second in the Big 12 that year. Beat, Baylor, beat the national champs on senior night. We're the last team to beat the national champs. And then, you know, we make a run this year. So it was awesome, man. I'm really happy that we are the national champions. I obviously got my hat. Um, couldn't be more happy. I was so put. Comeback was insane. Uh, I just remember thinking, like I said, I remember thinking when it got to 46-45 under eight timeout, I was like, there's no way. There's no way KU loses this game. And North Carolina battled, man. They were, they were, they're going to be good next year. Depending on seeing Hunter return, but Baycott's already back. So that's already, no, that's already a plus. Baycott coming back is already a plus, so North Carolina is going to be scary good next year. Good recruiting class coming in. But let's get into some UFC 273 reactions and what's next. So the first fight we'll talk about, Aspen Ladd and Rockwell Pennington. Again, Aspen Ladd, man, she's just such high upside for a fighter, and she sometimes just can't put it together, and she really couldn't put it together. And Pennington, she's tough. You know, if you go in there and you don't fight, in my opinion, she's going to fight a B-plus fight. Every single time, maybe even A minus. If you don't come in with your A to A plus against her, you're probably going to lose. She's so tough, and she's been so like, you know, she's been through the battles and through the wars. So it's it's just tough for Aspen Lab there, you know, not to get a win there because that's a fight that you need to win, you know, if you want to be a true, true championship contender. I mean, Bennington, in my opinion, inserted herself back into it, a possible, you know, title run, and we'll get to her. I have some of good fights for her in the top five that could happen. But, yeah, it's a tough loss for Aspen Ladd. Uh, I don't know what to say about her right now. Um, we'll get, so Ian Gary, the up-and-coming uh, Irish lad who's only 24 years old, First fight, he got rocked a little bit, but he got the he got the nice finish. This fight, you know, Darian Weeks is a guy he should beat, and he I thought he beat him handily. I thought he won at least two rounds. You could say three. He definitely won a decision. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't impressive. But, again, it's always good for a fighter like him to get three rounds under his belt, keep moving up. Know that when you're having, you know, he knew he had an off night, and he was still able to get the win. So, it was a good win. He'll move on. Um, we'll get obviously we'll get into what's next for him here in a bit. But we're just going through reactions right now. But I thought he looked good, and I think he's going to keep developing. He's only twenty four years old. Uh, Mark Madsen versus uh, Vince Passell. Great fight that was. Madsen gets the dis- UD win. Um, again, I thought Mark Madsen looked good. Again, he's pushing. He wants to get in, you know, to that top fifteen range next, and we got a good what's next for him. I'm going to give a couple guys for each, unless it's obvious and who they should fight next. But, you know, 
I think Madsen should jump into that top 15. He's, you know, he's not getting younger. He's coming to the sport late, um, you know, because he was, you know, wrestled for so long. But he's going to be a tough out for anybody. Uh, Mackenzie Dern earns the split decision win over Tisha Torres. This fight was super close. I was, my cousin was in town who does the fan fight picks with us. Me and my cousin, my brother, watched the fights. And at the end of it, I kind of thought, I was like, you know, it was close. How do they score that that last round? I thought that Tisha might have snuck it out, but they give it to Dern. I wasn't saying robbery either way. It's kind of like when we'll get into the co-main event, but I wasn't saying robbery either way. It was an okay fight. Dern's still developing. She's got a lot to learn still. Um, I think when she, if she fights, you know, the Ioannas, the Marina Rodriguez, the Whaley Zane, the Rose, that's going to be tough for her to win right now. She's still super young. Can still really develop. She could easily develop still and do a really good fighter. She doesn't have great wrestling, but when she gets a hold of you and gets you to the ground, it's a trouble. She I couldn't believe she didn't submit uh, Tisha Torres uh, in that round too. She had her in a lot of trouble. But yeah, good fight, good win for Dern. You know we'll get into what's next for her in a bit. And obviously now we're going to Hamzat and Burns, which took over this card. I know is I know people hate doing you know fight of the year for three rounders, but this is already on there for sure. Shamaya Burns Shamaya wins by decision. Uh, I thought he definitely won round one. Round two, he was in a herd of trouble. And I thought he won round three. I thought him going, like, it's different. We'll got, we'll get into the Aljamain Peter Yom first round here in a minute and how I scored it. Um, you know, going, I think Hamzat was, he was going forward more against Burns in that round three, and he was landing more. I thought Burns landed some really good shots, but I thought Hamzat landed more. So that's why I gave the third to Hamzat. I did think he deserved the win. And, you know, we'll see what's next for him. I, there's, I think there's there's probably three options right now including a Burns rematch, but that would probably be my third option. We'll get into the other two here in a minute. Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yan. Aljamain told us all, and I didn't believe him, it was going to be a different fight. Boy, was it. It was a lot different. Um, Sterling won via split decision. Uh, it all So basically, every judge had it the same two through five rounds. Two, three to Aljamain. Four, five to Yan. I agree completely. I thought Aljamain won round one. I know Yon was moving forward, but he wasn't doing anything moving forward. And I thought Aljo did really good with uh, with uh, some leg kicks, some good body shots. I thought he out, you know, he outlanded him in that round. So I would have gave that round to Aljamain. I had it three two Aljamain. So I had forty eight forty seven. Looking how the judges scored it, I would have gave that round to a ten eight. Complete control, in my opinion. Um, and then was able to get on top mount a couple of times and land some really nice ground and pound. So I thought Jan did nothing in that round. What was it? Oh, nearly four and a half minutes of being on top, four minutes of being on top. I thought it was a 10-8 round, so I would have had it 48-46. Aljo, and then if you wanted to give Jan round three, I thought the only way that Jan could have won was, or the only way it could have went away from Aljo was a draw, personally. I probably wouldn't have been mad at. One second. If they would have, I don't think I could have been upset. Okay, the night of the fight, I would have not been upset if it was if it would have went Jan's way. I thought round one was that close, but when I rewatched round one, I was like, okay, I think it's Aljo's for sure. So, I thought Aljamain deserved the win, and uh, we'll get into what's next for him. Now, kind of the main event: Volkanovski, Korean Zombie again, not. Not too much to discuss here. Uh, I mean, 
one-sided from the get-go, I would say. Volkanovski gets the finish. I thought they should have called it a round earlier, if not in round two, man. I mean, Volk really was just putting it on him. I didn't think Zombie needed that extra round or round and a half of, of beatdown. Great call, in my opinion. I know they, I know Her, Herb was basically saying, you know, when he came out, I was like, you got to show me something. And he was taking a necessary punishment. Herb stopped that. I thought it was a good stoppage by Herb. Great stoppage, actually. Um, Volkanovski, pound, one of the pound-pound best. Top three, in my opinion, for sure. Um, I think you could have an argument over over his teammate, Izzy, for two. I would still keep Usman one, but he's in that conversation for with those three guys, in my opinion. So let's get into some what's next. We're mainly doing, from the earlier fights, we're doing the winners. I will do the losers of the last three. So for Pennington, I would say she would love the Holly Holm rematch. I know that. So my number one option would be the Holly Holm-Caitlin Vieira winner. Whoever wins that, I think Pennington fights. And I think it's a title fight probably after she wins that. Crazy as it sounds. Number two, if she wants to you know, not wait, Irene Aldana. And I know she's getting older, Pennington. So, I mean, she may just want to fight. I think Irene Aldana is a fight she could have too. One of those two potential matchups, I think. Goes well for her. Ian Gary didn't get a guy. I didn't pick a guy because he's not high up ranked. So I just say keep building him up with a slight step up. You know, keep building him. You know, progressing him towards his goal of being top fifteen, top ten, top five, and then hopefully a champion. That's what he wants to be. But I think you just slight step up, slight step up, and then maybe if you do this next fight and he comes out and looks really well, these let's say two more fights of a slight step up and he looks really well and he dominates both these guys. Then I think you can start saying top twenty, top twenty five guys. For Mark Madsen, he wants to step up. Let's go Brad Riddell, who's ranked 14, I believe, in the UFC rankings. Here, we can check that real quick. Let's just go look at UFC rankings. Um, Google, UFC rankings. Um, and there was a guy, I have the number two option. It's just right outside the top 15, I believe. I don't think he's ranked. Let's see. So, yeah, I would do Brad Riddell. Actually, I'll go, I'll go, I'll take off my second option. Brad Burdell's ranked 14. Let's go. Uh, let's go Brad Burdell, who I th- who's coming off a loss, so that's a great fight. And Diego Ferreira, who's ranked 15. So 14 15. I think we should let him fight one of those guys because I believe it makes a ton of sense. He's, you know, like I said, he's getting older. I don't think he's not ready. He doesn't want these build up fights. He's wanting to go quickly and see what he has. So let's do it. Let's do a. Uh, Riddell or Diego Ferreira, who ranked 14-15 next. For Mackenzie Dern, uh, you know, Yon Shaunan, I believe is how you pronounce it. I think I might have got that right for the first time. She's ranked five. Dern just jumped her. That's a fight. You could also do, who's fighting? Amanda Lemos, who's in, in Jessica Andrade are fighting next. That could be a potential matchup as well. So I think one of those two works for her. For Gilbert Burns, I don't know. I, I You know... It depends what they do, and I don't think they're going to do a Burns-Homsout rematch right away. I don't think that's going to happen. <clears throat> and I think what's going to happen here, let's say for Burns, I think you could do Sean Brady or Jorge Masvidal. I have Sean Brady's the first one, Masvidal's the second. Brady could really test himself against Burns, who's a great wrestler, so we're going to have to see Brady stand up. And if he can't get Burns down, it could be trouble. And then Masvidal, it's just a fun fight. You know, it's a real fun fight. Why not Masvidal Burns? I don't think Masvidal... Masvidal is a guy, like I said, he signed that contract. It's big fights. So um, right now, I don't think you're getting Connor or Nate, because I believe the UFC is waiting to do that trilogy. 
Obviously, they're not going to do the Covington rematch. That doesn't need to happen. We saw five rounds of that in a domination. He's not going to fight Poirier, obviously, teammates. Probably not the winner of Luke A. Muhammad. It's not a big enough name. Burns just really built himself up, in my opinion. So I think a Burns-Mazadal fight could work here. Uh, and then for Hamzat, Colby Covington's the number one option, but it depends on Colby Covington's timeline on when he wants to fight next. If not, there is a fight coming this weekend between... He is now ranked three. You have fifth-ranked Vicente Luque and sixth-ranked Bilal Muhammad fighting. And let's say they're going to do... They're going to do Edwards and Usman in July or August. I think you could do Hamzat versus the winner of that around there. I think you could. Or you can do Hamzat and Covington. Hamzat Covington is the number one option. But if that's not, if it doesn't line up, the winner of Luke A. Muhammad makes the most sense next. You're not going to have him fight Wonderboy or Masvidal or Sean Brady. Um, you know, Vicente Luke A. Muhammad, the winner is going to be right at five. I don't think they jump Burns unless it's just dominant. Then they could jump Burns, so they could be four. They're going to be four or five, and he's three. We don't know what Covington's plans are, and Edwards is probably going to fight Usman for the title. So if it's not Covington, Luke A. Muhammad winner is the only fight that makes sense for him. Uh, for Peter Yan, uh, there's been a lot talked about. You know, I know Marab has been thrown around in there. He is my second option. I would like to see. Peter Yan fight the winner of Rob Font and Marlon Vera. So I mean, if you look down the list for Yan, okay, so Dillashaw's at two. He's getting the next title shot, in my opinion, no matter what Aljo's saying. You have Aldo there at three, who's probably in line for a title fight. But if it's going to be Dillashaw, Aljo next, you could have Aldo and Sandhagen. Plus, Yan fought Aldo, and he fought Sandhagen, rec- he fought Sandhagen recently. So then you move down, you got... Font at five, Marab at six, Dom Cruz at seven, Vera at eight. I don't think they're going to do Dom Cruz and Jan. Bad fight for Dom. But Mar- but Marab makes a ton of sense. He's on a win streak, good wrestler, tough matchup. And then the winner of Font or Vera, especially if Vera wins, he's getting a little, you know, he's he's on a little run here. So, I mean, you could do Vera. He hasn't beaten the elite, Marlon. You know, he's fought Aldo. I guess the only elite guy he fought recently, and he beat him, or he lost to him. So, like... I think Vera and Font winner makes sense for Peter Yan next. If not Marab, I'm not mad at that fight either. For Aljo, it's easy. It's TJ Dillashaw. I know the he, he commented about the Aldo thing today saying, you know, I think Aldo deserves it more than TJ. I would disagree. I would uh I would definitely go with TJ. I know he lost the he technically lost the title because of the steroid use, the EPO use at when he fought at flyweight. But again, if you read into that, it was it was to cut the weight. It wasn't into it get to get an advantage. It was to cut weight. And he never lost his one thirty five title. He had to vacate that belt. So I think it's only right. He came back and he beat Sandhagen, who's ranked four. Aldo hasn't beat who I mean who's Aldo beat? I know he's on a three-fight win streak. Let's look at who Jose Aldo has beat, though. So he beat Rob Font, who's ranked at five. Dominated, actually. He beat Munoz, and he beat Cheeto Vera. So good wins. Don't get me wrong. That would be beating five, eight, and nine. So don't get me wrong. Great wins. But I think Dillashaw's win over Sandhagen was huge. And it was even bigger that Sandhagen was able to go five rounds with Jan. It proved how good Sandhagen is. I think you do Aldo Sandhagen next, and you do Dillashaw for the title is what happens here. Um, For the Korean Zombie, 
Uh, he dropped down. He dropped down to five. So for Volkanovski, let's get into Volkanovski first. This is easier to do, so it takes. So it's either it's Max Holloway if it's featherweight. It could be Henry Cejudo, but that's a ways away because Henry's got six months before he can fight. Um, I think the other option is the lightweight move. Um, so be either Holloway next, who I want to see, because that's the number one. That's you know the second fight was so so close, not really. I mean, in my opinion, it wasn't close, but controversial because I thought Max definitely won that fight. Um, so I think it's Holloway or the lightweight title. So for Chan Sun Jun, you have Calvin Cater facing Arnold Allen right now. You have Ortega. So if he fights somebody above, I have Brian Ortega as the number one option here. Ortega needs a fight. I don't know what Yair is doing. I think Ortega, Korean Zombie, who had that little back and forth for a while, they never fought. I think that fight makes a ton of sense. And if Chan goes back, I think Giga Chikadze would be my second option. You could also throw Josh Emmett in there, maybe even a Bryce Mitchell. But I have a feeling that if the Ortega fight presents itself, that will happen. I didn't choose Yair because they fought, but maybe they could do a rematch because that fight was so good. But I think Ortega is the number one option, and then I would go Giga. And we talked about Volk. Um, but yeah, it was an unreal card. It was awesome. And uh, I can't wait for the next pay-per-view in May. It's going to be awesome, too. We got Oliver Everett, Gaethje, Rose and stuff. We'll get into that in the next one. But let's get into my NBA playoff predictions here. So we've already had a couple playing games go. I'll predict the last of the playing games as well. So you have the Cavs and the Hawks tomorrow. I'm going the Cavs win. I know it's pretty, pretty, you know, it's probably a little homer pick. I love the Cavs. So I'm going to go Cavs win, and we'll play the Miami Heat. The Cavs will win and they'll play the Heat. That is my prediction. Um, Cavs win. We'll say in a close one. I think Cavs win by four tomorrow. Close game. Clippers, Pelicans. Clippers really, really made me take a step back and look at my predictions because at one point I had the Clippers in the conference finals if they could be the seven, but now they're going to be the eight, and I really thought they just did not look good against the Wolves. I'm going to have them be in the Pelicans because of experience here. I think it's going to be very close. And it would not shock me. It would not shock me at all if the Pelicans won. I'm going to go Clippers win and play the Suns. So let's get into East Round 1. The one seed of Miami Heat versus the 8 seed Cleveland Cavaliers. So this is tough because Jared Allen is 50-50 to go tomorrow. So if they win, I think he plays in this series at some point. Okay? So I'm going to go. I'm still going to pick the Heat. But if he plays by Game 2, I'm going to say this goes 6. If he doesn't play... I'm going five. I think the Cavs could still get one, but I'm going to go Heat and six, so 4-2 Miami if Jared Allen plays by game two, and I think he's going to play by game two. Um, and really, no matter what, if they play the Hawks, I'm going to go 4-1 or 4-2 also, so I'm going to have the Heat advancing no matter what. Uh, for the To advance the East Eastern round two, so the Eastern semis, it'd be the four-seed Sixers against the five-seed Raptors. I think this series, I think people are more predicting 4-1, 4-0 range. I'm going 4-2. I think the Raptors keep it keep it competitive. I think it's 2-2 after 4, and then Philly takes game 5 at home, and then they take, uh, you know, they'll take uh, game 6 in Toronto. That's my prediction there. So you can have Heat Sixers round 2. So we're going Bucks bulls I, I want to go 4 so bad. I'm going to give the Bulls, I'm going to give the Bulls one game. I'm going to give the Bulls one game, though, 
I'm gonna give the Bulls. They get one, but I I I want to say sweep so bad. I hate giving sweeps because it's so tough for me to see a team not winning a game, one game inside of four. So I'm gonna go. I'm going to go the Bucks and five. Boston, Brooklyn. I actually have a tough one with this because I don't know how good Brooklyn is. Ben Simmons is aiming for game four in Boston or game four against Boston at home for a return. Oh boy, I'm gonna go Nets in seven. I'm going to say they'll have it 2-2. They can keep it down 2-1, not 3-0 by the time Simmons comes back. So I'm going to go I'm going to go Nets in seven here. I am. I'm going to pick the Nets, and I hate to do it because I, I like the, the way the Celtics have played. Robert Williams, I don't know when he's coming back. I'm going to go Nets in seven. It's a tough one, but I'm going Nets in seven. Western Conference round one, Suns-Clippers. I'm going Suns in five. I think the Clippers can get a game. I know they went to six last year without Kawhi. I think this Clippers team right now is a little worse, though, than they were last year. Paul George is just coming back. Um, I just like the Suns. They're better than they were last year, too. So I'm going Suns in five, and I could see a sweep, to be completely honest. Mavericks, Jazz. Luka is probably missing games one and two. And that scares the shit out of me. For them to win this series, they are going to have to split the home games. Games one and two, they're going to have to go one-one. I think the correct pick, the correct pick is probably the Jazz. I'm going to go Dallas in five or in seven, because I just don't think, I just don't think Utah's very good. I really don't. I don't think this team works. No matter what the report said, I know Quinn Snyder still loves the would love the chance to coach the Lakers. So, it could be a disaster if they lose this game. Is he already looking ahead? Because I don't see this team winning in round two anyway, even if they get there. So I'm going to go Mavs in seven though. I'm going to say Luka plays by game three, and they're able to split the first two. Three-seeded Golden State, six-seeded Denver. People have, people still think of the Warriors, man. There's so many people that still think of this Warriors team as a legit championship team. I just don't see it. Um, I don't think they can stop Jokic. I think he's going to be a walking triple-double this series. Clay's nowhere near as good as he used to be. We'll see if Jordan Poole can live up to the hype in the playoffs this year. We'll see if Steph Curry can come back very – how good he can come back off the injury. I'm going Nuggets in seven, though, with an upset here. This is my round one. You know, the Nets over the Celtics is kind of an upset, but I think the Nets are favored to win the series. So this is my first round, this is my first round one bigger upset. I'm going Nuggets in seven. I think Jokic dominates. I think the role players play their role, and I think they get it done. Um, two-seeded Memphis against seven-seeded Minnesota. I actually have Memphis out if they're playing the Clippers. I'm going Memphis in six here. I think the Clippers or the Wolves are good enough to win two, but I think Memphis just has a way better overall team. So I'm going Memphis in six. East round two. We got the Heat versus the Sixers. Uh, I've changed my mind completely on Harden. I don't know if it's if he's out of shape or what is he just. Has he lost a step? I don't know. He just doesn't seem to be the same guy scoring wise. He's shooting like forty one percent from the or forty percent from the field and thirty percent from three. I know he's still a great passer and stuff, but I'm going Heat and seven. I think they're able to out dog the Sixers with grit. So I'm going to go Miami Heat and seven to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then we got the Milwaukee Bucks against the Nets, a rematch in the same position as last year, the conference fi- the conference semifinals. I'm going Bucks and seven. Um, I think the Bucks are just a better overall team. They're better defensively. Um, this again, 
I'm going to give my live predictions, of course. This is me thinking Ben Simmons isn't going to be able to still play a lot and, like, not be anywhere near the defense player he's going to be by the time he comes back next year in shape. So I'm going Milwaukee, but, you know, things could change in my picks after the first round and see how Simmons plays. If he plays unreal, I'm probably going to go Nets here. But I'm going Bucks right now because I think it's the safe pick. Uh, Western Conference round. Oh, yeah, so we have Heat Bucks in the uh, conference finals. So then we got Phoenix versus Dallas. Again, I'm going to Phoenix is just so good. Phoenix in five. You know, they're just too good. Dallas will they'll be able to compete, and they'll steal a game where Luka goes for 40 and, you know, 14 and 10 or some ridiculous number he puts up. But I'm going to go Phoenix in five. And I, I think that's pretty – I would be shocked if Phoenix is in the NBA Finals, quite frankly. Over anybody in the East or West, Phoenix would shock me the most. I would say that if the Bucks or Nets didn't make the Finals and out of the East, I'd be less shocked than the Suns not making it. So, and then you got Memphis and Denver. I'm going Denver and upset again. I think they match up well. I like, I just, I mean, yeah, you got Steven Adams. I don't think he can guard Jokic. The guy I'm scared of for Jokic is DeAndre Ayton, who's been his kind of his kryptonite in a way. So I'm going Nuggets in seven. Uh, I think Jokic is too good. I think Memphis is too young right now. I think they're going to be a great team, just not there yet. And I'm going Denver. So the Eastern Conference Finals, one seed Miami Heat, three seed Milwaukee Bucks. Give me the Bucks in six. I just think Giannis is too good. Um, you know, I, I wasn't like a Giannis hater, but I wasn't also a huge fan. But as a LeBron fan, I understand the criticism he receives. He receives the criticism because he's too good and people don't like it in a way. So I understand I've grown to really like Giannis and I root for him big time. So I understand. And I think he's one of the three, if not the second best player in the world behind LeBron. So I'm going Milwaukee in six to advance to the NBA Finals again. In the West Finals, Denver versus Phoenix. Again, Phoenix in five. They don't have a series going past five for me, and I wouldn't be surprised if they get a couple sweeps in there. Dallas or the Clippers, or even this Nuggets team could be a sweep because they match up so well with everybody. They're just so well-balanced. The Suns are just so well-balanced, man. Uh, so the NBA Finals is a rematch from last year. I know it's not a sexy pick. It's not like you're out there wild pick, but I'm going Suns-Bucks, and this time I think the Suns get it done in seven. At home, I know Giannis is unreal, but I think this uh, Suns team has learned uh, from that past final series. I think they're way better. I think Booker's just much more mature this year. Chris Paul's still there. Aiton's gotten better. Mikel Bridges is unreal defensively. Cam Johnson's good. Still got your bench players like Jay Crowder and uh, Cameron Payne playing well. So, like, yeah, I just I like the Suns here in seven to win the NBA Finals. So let's get into some NFL draft stuff. Let's start at quarterbacks. I'll kind of go through the board relatively fast, and we'll get into the mock. Uh, Malik Willis is the number one quarterback for me. I think the I think they're you know they say Kenny Pickett's the most ready. I agree. I still don't think he's ready to become a starter in the NFL right away. So that's why I would take Malik Willis's upside over a Pickett. Um, I have Corral, and I have a mid first round grade on him. Uh, Corral, I uh, I would say. I would say he's my he's my second quarterback, and I actually spoiler for the for the mock draft. I have him as my fourth quarterback taken because again, what I'm hearing, um, I would have Corral as my second. I like his arm talent. I like his mobility. Again, do I think he's ready? No, but I don't think any of these guys are. I actually think Sam Howell is probably the most ready quarterback in this class, and I still don't think any of them are ready to come in and be day one starters. So Kenny Pickett's at three for me, mid to late first round grade on him. 
Uh, I do like the experience he's had in college, but again, I just don't think he's ready for the NFL right away. Um, the hand size and the arm strength worries me, but I still think he can be a good quarterback. Again, I think most likely, if you gave me the option, would you know? Would you take two out of these guys become franchise quarterbacks? If you had to bet on, would you take two of these guys do or none of them pan out at all? I would lean none of them because I'm. I think Willis will, and the rest of them are real up in the air. I have Sam Howell at four, mid second rounder. I think he's the most ready, though. I think his arm talent's really good. I think he's got some mechanic issues. And, you know, he, uh, setting his feet can be an issue because he thinks, and which is nice, the confidence, he thinks he can make every throw. So he doesn't set his feet as much, and that was kind of got him in trouble at North Carolina last year. I still think he's very good, though. Desmond Ritter, again, a project in my opinion. I think he's got unreal arm talent, great mobility. So not ready, though. Um, and you'll see where I have him drafted as. It, it'll make a little more sense. Uh, Carson Strong at six. So this was kind of the end of my list of guys that I think have the potential to be starters in the NFL. The other two are are basically, I think, could be uh, backups. So they could definitely make rosters and be backups. I have a mid to late second grade on Ritter. I have a early to mid third on Carson Strong. Again, quarterbacks, I do the grades on quarterbacks differently because they're going to get taken earlier. So that's why I have three first rounders, even though some of the, some, most people probably don't have three quarterbacks in their top 30 big board. Um, and then I go Bailey Zapp from uh, Western Kentucky. Uh, fourth round grade on him. Again, I think he'll get taken. I think he has the potential to be a backup in this league. Good quarterback. Uh, obviously, I don't think he has the greatest arm strength, but I think he has a chance. And I have Skyler Thompson at eight from K-State being a fifth, sixth rounder. I think he definitely can make a roster and be a backup. No question. Running backs, top 10. I don't have a single running back in my first round. I have three mid-round grades, or two mid-round, mid-second round grades. Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller, one, two. Brees Hall being first, Spiller, two, mid-second round grades. Again, I don't see a stud running back coming out of this class. I think you see, I think all these running backs that are in my top five, I think they're guys that are going to be, you know, come in on third down or different packages, be in a, a duo running back system, not be in every down back. That's what I kind of think these guys are. Uh, Kenneth Walker at third, late second rounder out of Michigan State. James Cook from Georgia, the brother of Dalvin, uh, mid-third round grade. And then Brian Robinson, early fourth round grade from Alabama. Receivers, I love this class. I love the top ten. Garrett Wilson is my number one, um, early to mid-first. Uh, he's the best receiver in this class. To me, when it comes to all-around everything, putting every tool together as a receiver, he's the best. Jamison Williams, best deep ball threat. Um I have an early to mid first on him as well. Drake London is third for me, early to mid first. Going to be your go up and get it guy. Um, worry about him creating separation, um, but I think he can be special. Uh, Chris Olave is my fourth receiver. Uh, mid first round grade on him. Love the speed. Love his hands. Such good hands. I think he's going to be a stud. Traylon Brooks is my fifth out of Arkansas. Mid first round grade on him as well. Uh, at six, I have Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. Six four two eight. Love the size. Early second round grade on him. John Mechie from Alabama. Really like him. Obviously wasn't able to partic- participate in, you know, the combine stuff because of the injury. But he's my seventh, and I have him as an early second round as well. George Pickens out of Georgia, mid second. Worry about the, the the commitment and care, or the commitment and love for the game and just maturity issues. But he's still super talented. He might be top three talent in this class. Uh, Jahan Dotson out of Penn State is uh, number nine for me. Again, this will not reflect what my mock draft says because I go off of what I'm hearing as well more than anything. This is my personal big board. 
and Sky Moore at 10 out of Western Michigan. I have mid-second round grade on Dotson and mid to late on Sky Moore. Uh, tight ends, uh, Trey McBride's probably my number one out of Colorado State, late second round grade. Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina, a late, a, a late second to early third round grade. Uh, Jalen Weidemeyer from A&M, an early to mid third round grade. Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State, a late third to early fourth. And then uh, Charlie Kohler, fourth to early fifth uh, grade on him out of Iowa State. Tackles. I have uh, Iki Ekawanu, Ikem Ekawanu out of North Carolina State, early first round grade. He's my number one tackle. Evan Neal uh, is my second tackle, early first round grade in him as well. Charles Cross out of Mississippi State, early first round grade. Trevor Penning, mid first round grade on him. Uh, fifth, Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan, late first round. Daniel Falele out of Minnesota, 6'8", 390. Uh, early to mid-second on him. Tyler Smith out of Tulsa, uh, early to mid-second. Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, mid to late-second. Uh, Darion Kennard, late-second for him. And then Rashid Walker out of Penn State, early third-rounder. Interior O-lineman, Tyler Linderbaum, mid to late-first because of the position, obviously. Um, interior linemen and linebackers are going to fall. That's just how it is, and it's, gonna, it's how it's going to be. Uh, Kenyon Green, mid to late first out of A&M. Zion Johnson, late first rounder out of Boston College. Then I think it takes a real fall. Uh, Jamari Saylor out of Georgia and Dylan Parham out of Memphis, early third rounders. Edge class. Uh, Kayvon Thib- or Aiden Hutchinson, one. Kayvon Thibodeau, two. Trayvon Walker, three. All early first round grades. Jermaine Johnson, mid first round grade for me. David Ajabo, he's going to slide because of the injury, mid to late first. George Karloftis, mid to late first at six. Seven, Boy Maffei out of Minnesota, early to mid-second rounder. Eight, Arnold Ebiketti out of Penn State, early to mid-second rounder. Nick Benito out of Oklahoma, mid to late second rounder. And Kingsley Enigbari out of South Carolina, mid to late second rounder. Interior D lineman, Jordan Davis still one for me, mid-first rounder. Devontae Wyatt, his teammate, both out of Georgia, mid to late first. Uh, DeMarvin Leal out of A&M, late first rounder. Logan Hall out of Houston, early to mid-second. Travis Jones um, out of UConn, mid to late second. Peron Winfrey out of Oklahoma, late second. Uh, Fielder Mathis out of Alabama, early third. Haskell Garrett out of Ohio State, mid third. Zachary Carter out of Florida, mid to late third. And John Ridgway out of Arkansas, early fourth. Interior linebackers. Devin Lloyd, mid-first rounder out of Utah. Nicobe Dean, uh, mid-to-late first round out of Georgia. His teammate Quay Walker, mid-to-late second round. Christian Harris, mid-to-late second round. And Chad Muma out of Wyoming, early-to-mid-third. For corners, Ahmad Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati, early-first. Derek Stingley out of LSU, early-to-mid-first. Trent McDuffie out of Washington, mid-to-late-first. Andrew Booth from Clemson, late first. Kyir Elam, early second. Roger McGeary, early second. Kyler Gordon, mid second. Uh, Darion Kendrick, late second. Kobe Bryant, out of Cincinnati, early third. And Tariq Woolen, out of UTSA, early third as well. For safeties, Kyle Hamilton, out of Notre Dame, obviously early first. Daxton Hill, out of Michigan, late first. Luis Seen, early second. Out of Georgia, Jaquan Brisker, early to mid-second out of Penn State, and mid to late-second, Jalen Pichere out of Baylor. So here's my top 32 overall. Kyle Hamilton, one, the safety out of Notre Dame. Aiden Hutchinson, two, the edge out of Michigan. 
Uh, Ike and McWanu, North, uh, the, the tackle out of North Carolina State, three. At four, Evan Neal, the tackle from Bama. At five, Thibodeau, the edge from Oregon. At six, Trayvon Walker, the edge from Georgia. At seven, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, the corner from Cincinnati. At eight, Charles Cross, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. At nine, Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. Ten, Jordan Davis, the interior D lineman out of Georgia. Eleven, Tremon, or Jermaine Johnson, uh, the edge out of Florida State. Twelve, Jamison Williams, the wide receiver out of Bama. Thirteen, the wide receiver out of USC, Drake London. Fourteen, tackle from Northern Iowa, Trevor Penning. Fifteen, Devin Lloyd, interior linebacker out of Utah. Sixteen, Derek Stingley, the corner out of LSU. Seventeen, Devontae Wyatt, the interior D lineman out of Georgia. Eighteen, Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty. 19, Nicobe Dean, the inside linebacker out of Georgia. 20, Chris Olave, wide receiver from Ohio State. 21, Tyler Linderbaum, the interior lineman from Iowa. 22, David Ajabo, the edge out of Michigan. 23, Trent McDuffie, the corner out of Washington. 24, Traylon Burks, the wide receiver out of Arkansas. Um, 25, Daxton Hill, the safety out of Michigan. 26, Matt Corral, the quarterback out of Ole Miss. 21, 27, Kenyon Green, the interior lineman from A&M. 28, George Karloftis, the edge from Purdue. 29, DeMarvin Leal, the interior D lineman out of A&M. 30, Kenny Pickett, quarterback out of Pittsburgh. 31, Zion Johnson, interior lineman from Boston College. And 32, Andrew Booth Jr., or just Andrew Booth, I think. I don't know if it's Jr., out of Clemson at 32. So here we go for the mock. Again, I'll go back on the trades when they come up. Uh, number one overall, I got the Jaguars still selecting Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I think uh, he's going to be phenomenal in the pros. I think guys like Thibodeau and Javon or uh, Travon Walker have higher potential, but I'm going Hutchinson here because it's safe, and I know he's still going to be very good. At two, I got a safety going too, Kyle Hamilton. He's the best player in the class for me. I know a lot of people have him going outside the top ten. That's criminal. He can play in the box. He can cover. Detroit is the type of team that can take a swing at him, I think. I think they'd be smart to do so. I got Kyle Hamilton going to three, the Texans. I got them taking Ikem Ekawanu, the tackle out of North Carolina State. They could go for a lot here. They could go Thibodeau or Walker. Um, I think I think Ekawanu or Neal, of course, the other tackle, but I think Ekawanu is the best, so I'm going him here. Jets at four. I have them getting Thibodeau, so maybe the highest ceiling in this class. Um, and I think the Jets take a swing on him. Uh, Giants at five. I have them taking Evan Neal, the tackle out of Bama. They need tackle and edge. Um, I think you know at six, Carolina is either probably going tackle or quarterback. So I think you have to take the tackle here. So then at six, I do have Malik Willis going six to the Panthers. I really do. And people can say, well, doesn't you know? Don't wouldn't they probably more like Pickett instead of Willis? Well, they could still end up picking up Baker, who I think is going to be in a free agent. I think the Browns ends up cut, end up cutting him. So I think you go Malik Willis here because he's. I think, like I said, I think he has the highest upside at quarterback. At seven, Giants back on the clock. They get their edge. Trayvon Walker, great draft here for the Giants. Neil and Walker, they couldn't ask for better. Um, and I think they'll get. Well, I think they'll get Walker or Thibodeau. You know, the, uh, the Lions could go quarterback too. People are, you know, people are saying, but we'll see. At eight, the Falcons. I got him going. Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver at Ohio State. He's the best receiver in the class. Um, great pick here. I, I think they wait on a quarterback, in my opinion, um, till next year, you know, or can you acquire one? But I think they go Garrett Wilson here. 
at nine, Seattle, who obviously is going to need a quarterback as well. I have them going tackle here. They'll be in play for Baker as well. Um, Charles Cross, the tackle out of Mississippi State. Uh, again, I think he could end up being a top six pick, top five pick. He's unreal. So get him at nine, I think it's great. The Jets at 10 take Drake London, the wide receiver out of USC. Help out Zach Wilson as much as you can. I think you got a lot of other guys that can cover the middle of the field and the underneath routes. Now you get your deep ball guy in Drake London. Uh, Washington, who I think could go receiver here as well, but I have him going Sauce Gardner to the corner out of Cincinnati. I think they need help at defensive back, and I think he's the best one in this class. Minnesota, I got them taking Jordan Davis. That D-line's going to be nasty with Dalvin Tomlinson, Darius Smith, and Daniel Hunter. Maybe could potentially be the best D-line in football. Uh, Chiefs at 13. Here's the first trade. So the Texans trade... Uh, pick 13 and round four next year for picks 29, 50, and a round two next year. So three bonus picks and uh, two bonus picks really in the top and second rounders. And then you also get 29 here in the first. Chiefs take Jamison Williams, <coughs> the wide receiver out of Alabama. Uh, clear as day. I think he's second, but I think his injury will let him fall and the Jets will take London and the Chiefs get Jamison at 14. Jermaine Johnson, the edge out of Florida State, goes to the Ravens. Ravens, you know, I think they're trying to rebuild that, that D-line a little bit. They're a little older. I think Jermaine Johnson fits well with them. Another trade here, 15. The Green Bay Packers trade pick 22 and 28 to trade up to 15 with the Eagles to select Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. I know people are saying, what about Alave? I think they're going to go with a big-time big, big time threat here and a red zone threat in, in Traylon Burks. I love this pick. I think it helps Rodgers out, and this is what I think happens here. I'm gonna, Like I said, maybe the trade doesn't happen, but I'm projecting a trade here. Saints at 16, go wide receiver as well to help out Jameis and more of a better receiving core um, You know, for my, with, around Michael Thomas and Chris Olave out of Ohio State. Speedy, good hands. I love this pick. 17, trade. The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers trade pick 20 and a round four pick next year to move up to 17 with the Chargers to take Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. So they get their guy. Uh, he, you know, he may not come in and start right away over Trubisky, but I think he will be the eventual starter. At 18, the Eagles, they get Derek Stingley Jr. They got to love this at 18. Trading down twice now, acquiring a lot of future assets. They get Stingley at 18. Saints are back on the clock. They get their tackle now. They lost Armstead. They now get Trevor Penning, the tackle out of Northern Iowa. Um, at 20, the Chargers obviously move down with Pittsburgh. They get Devontae Wyatt, the interior D lineman, out of Georgia. 21, the Patriots take a corner. They need one. They lost J.C. Trent McDuffie out of Washington. Eagles, this was one of their trades. This is their trade with uh, Green Bay. Well, they acquired 22 and 28. They get Devin Lloyd, the linebacker, out of Utah. 23, Tyler Linderbaum to Arizona, the interior O-lineman. They need help on the interior. He comes in and be their day one center. And a trade, Detroit. From what I've heard, they love, love, love Desmond Ritter. And if they could get him late, they would. But I know Seattle's looking to trade up as well. So they're going to trade up here with Dallas. Dallas gets Detroit's first-round pick this year at 32, and they get Detroit's early second at 34. Detroit receives uh, 24 from Dallas right here and then a round four pick next year. They go ahead and they take Desmond Ritter because they know they like Ritter because they think he they think he has the most upside, and they know that he doesn't have to start right away with Goff there. At 25, the Bills take Kenyon Green, interior O-lineman out of A&M. They need O-lineman. Uh, Jahan Dotson, the receiver from Penn State, uh, he goes to Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's going to need a number two. 
Uh, Buccaneers take Karloftis. Uh, you know, you look at Tampa Bay, you look at their roster, they're so good everywhere. They're going to take for value, and Karloftis could end up being top 15, top 20. So they take him here at 27. Eagles, after trading down with uh, Green Bay, they've gone Stingley and Lloyd. They go defense again. They go to Marvin Leal, the D lineman out of AM. Houston, who traded with Kansas City, they are now at 29. They can take more of a gamble here because they're trying, you know, they want to hit on their young guys, but the upside of a Jabo is so good. They're going to take a Jabo, even though he got injured. They're going to take him here at 29. Another trade, Seattle trades in to the first back into the first round. They trade can't they give Kansas City 40 and 41. They receive this pick at 30 and a round three pick next year. They take Matt Corral out of Old Miss uh, at 30, who again is my second highest rated quarterback. Bengals, they go defense here. They've kind of really shirt up the O line. So they go Booth Jr. out of Clemson. And the Cowboys, who traded with Detroit, are gonna have two picks here in the span of three. They're going to take Zion Johnson, the interior O-lineman out of Boston College. They need help in the interior, especially at, go- or especially at right left guard. So they take Zion Johnson. Okay, so that will complete round one. <coughs> Heading into round two. Uh, I got the Jets here. They obviously took Hutchinson. They go the outside of the offensive line. They go Bernard Raymond, the tackle out of Central Michigan. I know they brought, they brought in some good linemen, but I think that a couple of them are one-year guys. So Raymond makes a lot of sense. Cowboys back on the clock um, after the trade with Detroit. They take Arnold Ebiketti, the edge out of Penn State. They hit with the Penn State guy last year. They go Ebiketti this year, who I think is unreal. Jets at 35. Let's go back and look who they took. Jets took Drake London and Thibodeau, edge and wide receiver. Right here, they're going corner. Kair Elam out of Florida. They need help at corner as well. Um, I didn't think it was as much as a need to take Gardner in round one, and they get, they get a good guy here in Elam. Uh, Giants, they go Daxton Hill out of Michigan. Uh, uh, you know, great first uh, round for the Giants with Neil and Walker. Now they get Daxton Hill, the second best safety in the class for me. Another safety off the board here, Louis Seen out of Georgia goes 37 to Houston. Jets are back on the clock. This time they go tackle Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. Uh, Bears at 39. You got to go get a receiver. And I love, love, love Christian Watson. Like I said, in my opinion, he should be a first round guy. I would have, I would... If it was my mock, which well, here's what's good. I'm, before the draft, I'm going to have the mock of what I think will happen, and then I'm going to have a mock of what I would do. I would have Christian Watson going to Tennessee at 26 over Jahan Dotson. But that's not what people are saying, so I'm trying to go off more people are saying as well. Chiefs at 40, they get a steal because linebackers are going to fall. They get N'Kobe Dean out of Georgia at 40. Tremendous pick here for the Chiefs. Unreal value. Then they have 41. They get Boy Mafe, the edge out of Michigan. So they get a really good receiver, a linebacker, which I know they drafted. They drafted a really good at linebacker. They have a few studs. I think Dean is unreal though, and then edge help with Boy Mafe. Uh, Forty-two, the Colts. They go George Pickens. Need some wide receiver help for Matt Ryan. They go Pickens out of Georgia. Forty-three, first running back off the board. Atlanta takes Brees Hall out of Iowa State. Cleveland at forty-four. They take Logan Hall, the interior D lineman. They need some help on the D line for sure. Uh, Baltimore. Corner, uh, corners were really injured last year, so they go Roger McGeary out of Auburn here at 45. Vikings, obviously I think I would have probably had them taking Sauce Gardner if I didn't have him going 11, but they're going to go corner here, Kyler Gordon out of Washington. Commanders, they take Quay Walker, the linebacker out of Georgia. Um, I think he has a lot of upside, really good pick here for them. Bears, obviously they took uh, Christian Watson at, 49, at 39 here at 48. 
They helped out Fields with the receiver. Now they're going to help him out with the tackle, Daniel Falele out of Minnesota. Uh, Saints back on Saints on the clock. They go Travis Jones, the interior D lineman out of UConn. Houston, they go running back. This is one of the trade uh, picks with the Chiefs. So they're going uh, Isaiah Spiller, the running back out of A&M, keeping him in Texas. Uh, Eagles go Sky Moore out of Western Michigan at 51. Steelers, they drafted the quarterback. They still need tackle help. They go Nicholas Petit-Friere, the tackle out of Ohio State. Packers, obviously traded up because I think they're going to have 22. I think it's going to be tough to get Burks or Olave, in my opinion. So they traded up to get uh, to get Burks. Now they have Nick Benito at 53, the edge out of Oklahoma. Uh, you know, People say that Patriots could go linebacker in round one. I have them going corner. They go linebacker here, Christian Harris out of Bama. Uh Cardinals took an interior O-lineman in round one. They get some edge help here. Drake Jackson out of USC. Dallas, they need wide receiver help for sure. They're going John Mechie out of Alabama here at 56. Only reason he's here is because of his injury, from what I've heard. He would probably be, in my opinion, I would have had him at 39, or Watson is probably, or maybe to Dallas. Dallas could take him earlier if the injury wasn't there, to be honest. Let's just, I'm going to be real about it. But Dallas gets great value here at 56 with Mechie. Uh, 57, Bills. So they took green on the interior O-line. They go interior D-line here, Perron Winfrey out of OU. Atlanta, they go Brisker, safety out of Penn State. Again, Atlanta's looking for really talented guys because they just need to get better everywhere. At 59, Packers on the clock. Now they get their tackle. Darion Kenner, the tackle out of Kentucky. Bucks, I'm going a little different here. I have the Bucks taking Sam Howell, the quarterback out of North Carolina here at 60. I know Brady unretired. I think he plays next year. Obviously, he's playing this year, coming up here. If he plays well, I think he plays another year. But how could learn behind Tom Brady in Tampa? At 61, Niners. Really secondary. I'm going Jalen Petrera, though, at safety. They need more safety help, in my opinion. Chiefs back on the clock at 62. They go Darion Kendrick, the corner out of Georgia, get some corner help. Uh, like I said, Bengals, I think they addressed their line. Now they can address some defensive needs well. So I'm going Fielder Mathis, the D lineman out of Alabama. And for Denver, edge or linebacker, I like Enigbare here more than taking uh, Muma, the linebacker from Wyoming. So I'm going Kingsley Enigbare here at 64. And that will conclude the mock draft. Like I said, we're going to be back regular more. You know, I just had, had some time off, but uh, we'll be back. Let's see. We'll probably be back. Monday or Tuesday, most likely Tuesday, I'd say. And then I know probably people are thinking, why don't you talk about the Lakers? You scared to talk about the Lakers? Nope. The Lakers are going to be saved for next Friday shorts episode where I dive into what the Lakers need to do this off season and what's next and what's realistic for the Lakers next year. Um, they will get a shorts episode. I know people are probably like, how are the Lakers going to get a shorts? But they will. We've done college basketball. And we've done UFC 272 and Conor McGregor. Next will be the Los Angeles Lakers. But we will have a regular scheduled podcast next Tuesday. And I'll see you guys then. Peace.